Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello everyone, Charles Watts here. Welcome to another episode of Inside Arsenal. We've got a bit of a special today focusing on Kai Havertz, who will become Arsenal's first summer signing of the transfer window. I'm recording this on Tuesday afternoon. I'm not putting it out until Wednesday, so who knows? It might even have been announced by then, but not expecting it to be, but you never know with Arsenal. They can surprise you when they put these transfer announcements out, but we're going to talk with Nazar Kinsella today, um, football correspondent at The Standard, good friend of mine, and uh, covers Chelsea for The Standard, covered Chelsea while I was at goal as well with goal and knows all there is to know about the Stamford Bridge Club and has been watching Kai Havertz very, very carefully over the last few years since he's come to England from Bayer Leverkusen. So we'll speak to Nazar about Kai and we'll have a few of your questions at the end for him to answer. How are you doing, Nazar? Thank you very much for joining me, mate. Yeah, good. Great to be on your platform. You did really well. So, yeah, it's uh, it's just a pleasure to be on. Maybe talking to Arsenal fans about a player they know a bit about, but I'll try and give them a bit more. Yeah, first of all, you must be enjoying the summer a little bit, mate, after what happened with Chelsea. That can't have been an easy watch last season. No, it was tough. It's just, you know, as bad as it gets. It's actually beyond uh, your imagination to, to sort of write, write about a top six club and see them um, finish quite so low down the table. So, yeah, it's been... A pleasure to reset for me, for probably people who work for the club, including the players. And yes, some of them are going to go. We don't really know who's going to turn up at the training ground come July the 3rd when they're back in training. That's about a week away. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's been a it's been a bit of a crazy summer as well. But at least, you know, the football isn't dragging everyone down and, and maybe they can look forward under Maurizio Pochettino. Indeed. Well, one player who we're not expecting to be turning up at the training ground on July 3rd, like you said, is this man, Kai Havertz, who, of course, we've already seen pictured in an Arsenal shirt. And again, this is being recorded on Tuesday afternoon. By the time you're watching it, it might even have been announced and that picture might be official that you're seeing on the screen now if you're watching on YouTube. Um, Nazar, this is a transfer that has very much divided opinion amongst Arsenal fans. A lot of people don't understand why Arsenal are signing Kai. A lot of people are very excited about 
signing a player who's still just 24 and has huge amounts of potential. He's had a very up and down time, I would say, at Chelsea. But what what would you what were your first first thoughts when you heard that Arsenal were in for Kai Havertz? Were you surprised? Um, maybe a little bit, but I expected a lot of Chelsea's players to go to rivals. Um, so, you know, this summer we've seen Matteo Kovacic going to Man City and Mason Mount might go to Man United uh, in the next few weeks. So, uh, yeah, it was kind of a surprise, but uh, you also just sort of thought, yeah, maybe, maybe you know, a Premier League rival is going to pick up a certain player to pick up this player. Um, I think Chelsea would have rather maybe sold him away from the Premier League and not to a London rival, but... You know, in terms of realism, they've got a bloated squad. You know, it's a good fee on the table. The only clubs that can afford um, big fees these days are seemingly just the Premier League clubs and maybe one or two outside of Europe. So you kind of wait and see if those clubs want to bid. You know, your PSGs, Real Madrid, even Barcelona and pretty much all of Serie A can't afford Kai Havertz. So um, Arsenal was a pretty natural destination. And hey, he's not the first Chelsea player to join Arsenal. Or, or go the other way around as well. Um, we've seen a few. So, yeah, I think the, the interesting thing is he's probably one of those players that has underwhelmed at Chelsea, um, not lived up to his potential, but still, somehow, um, people believe in him a lot. And, and actually, I believe in him a lot, that he can come good and be a top player. So there's kind of that sort of tension between he's not delivered, but he he will probably deliver or could deliver. And, and I think, actually, he will at Arsenal. Yeah, I think Arsenal kind of paying for potential which seems a bit strange for a 24 year old who's been in the Premier League for a few years but I kind of look at the way Arsenal are approaching the transfer window the targets they look for and Havertz ticks a lot of boxes certainly for Mikel Arteta and Edu his age first of all he fits the age profile that Arsenal love to look for in signing he's versatile he can play in a number of positions across the front line which again is basically a necessity if you're going to sign for Arsenal these days Mikel Arteta pretty much demands it that you're not just pigeonholed into one position. So I can see why, why Arsenal were doing it. I mean, looking at his stats for last season, it wasn't, you know, he didn't tear up any trees by any means. I think it's seven goals there in the Premier League, two in the Champions League. But I think it must be very hard to kind of criticise an individual or a player for Chelsea, given the season they endured last season. It must have been very hard for anyone to impress because... Let's face it, they were a bit of a basket case for a football club last season because of what was going on off the pitch. So it's pretty hard to criticise players and single them out for their performances last season. But how do you kind of assess Kai Havertz in 2022-23? In, in absolutely, yeah. I think he got probably absolutely destroyed by many Chelsea supporters, maybe felt under real pressure um, playing number nine for Chelsea. That you know He played actually more minutes than any other player at Chelsea last season, you've got the stats up there, 47 games. That's a hell of a lot of games, you know, in the season that Chelsea had where they've been knocked out of the Cups uh, at the first time of asking, both against Man City. Um, so, yeah, it was a lot of games for him. Um, but that's the kind of player he is. He always turns up week in, week out, gives 100%. Every manager picked him, Thomas Tuchel, Graham Potter, and two caretaker managers, including Frank Lampard. And, and Lampard's sort of MO at the end of the season was only picking players that really showed desire for, for Chelsea and put in the work rate. And I think that's what you get with Havertz. I think people sometimes underestimate, you know, they look at the data and they think, oh, he's not got many goals and assists. And, and he did. He also did a lot better at Leverkusen. But then they underestimate other sides of his game that that might, you know, come out better under Mikel Arteta at Arsenal. You know, he he does have the work rate. Like you said, the um, the flexibility of position, the, the versatility, 
could be an asset at Arsenal, but for me, it was actually a hindrance to him at Chelsea. He was playing up front as a false nine when I don't think it really suited him, or, or certainly not in that system the way that the way that it worked. You know, with wingers that weren't really putting in crosses, weren't really you know allowing him to succeed as a sort of focal point in attack. So I think that he's had sort of you know he's not really had any, his identity carved out for him as a footballer while he's been at Chelsea for the last three years. His first season was the COVID season. It was really tough, big price tag. He got really annoyed at people asking him about the price tag. Then he goes and scores um, the Champions League final winning goal that was a great celebration and, and Chelsea fans absolutely love him for it. Um, but at the same time, he he was frustrated because he's done this one great moment, but he really wants to be more consistent. And I think that it's really interesting that he sort of even had a documentary produced uh, about his life uh, at Chelsea that he's never released it um, and it, a lot of it was centred on that Champions League final goal and and I've been interviewing him and been in situations with him on a semi-regular basis and he, he usually gets asked the same questions not by me but by others um, who, who maybe cover Chelsea less regularly it's like will you sort of build on that Champions League final goal is that is that the aim and that, that sort of became a frustration to him as did what's your best position, Kai? That became a frustration to him. So I think that almost by moving on and maybe following Mikel Arteta's vision, he can avoid those questions and maybe live up to the potential that that we expect from him. Because I remember when he joined Chelsea, we expected a lot and it's not quite happened for him apart from a few great moments. And uh, I think that he'll fit in well at Arsenal, like you said, versatile, but also the underestimated part of his game is the physicality. He's a great runner. He presses brilliantly. And I think that he has a lot of what the great players at Arsenal have, Erdegaard, Saka, Martinelli. He's intense. He works hard. He might have flair, but he does all the dirty work as well. And you'll certainly see that from him in an Arsenal shirt. Yeah, I think that's really, really important. I mean, if you're going to make it under Mikel Arteta, you have to press well, you have to work you have to have just you know top work ethic. You can't you can't sort of disappear in games or float through games. You've got to be, especially if you're in that front line. You have to be pressing from the front and leading from the front. So um, I think that's going to be really important for him. The price. I mean, what, what did Chelsea pay for him? It was about 70, 75 million, was it, to get him in from Leverkusen? Yeah, I think seventy one million. It was club record fee at the time, and uh, yeah, it was uh, a big coup. And they also only got him because uh, he was always. Dreaming of going to Real Madrid, I thought Real Madrid might come in this summer. Um, but during the pandemic, clubs like Real Madrid didn't have money. Clubs like Chelsea and Man City did, so they were in a great position. And and it sort of, you know, the pandemic sort of almost guided him to Chelsea and and took him away from maybe you know Real Madrid, who'd been building up for a move for a long, long time. And and now Real Madrid's never materialised, and and Chelsea and Arsenal has. Yeah. And so it was about 71 million. I think Arsenal are going to pay about 65 all in with, you know, maybe a little bit less than that up front with add-ons. You look at his record here that I've got in front of me, if you're watching it, this on YouTube, you can see the stats. He's had 91 Premier League appearances, scored 19 goals, seven assists, seven goals last season, eight the season before, four in his first season. So he's not he's not been prolific by any means. Um, but again, I don't think that necessarily means that he won't be for Arsenal. Um I look at that price tag, 65 million or 62 and then 65 all in. You know, a lot of Arsenal fans look at that and think we're overpaying and they'll look at those numbers and, and think, why are we only playing a few million less than what they paid for him when he hasn't produced really numbers-wise since he's arrived? But again, he's still just 24, isn't he? And I think ultimately my the way I'm sort of looking at this transfer, I'm going to take a, sort of, I'm going to take a step back type approach. And when Aaron Ramsdale signed, 
you know, obviously not for this sort of money, but still it was a lot of money. It was about 30 million pounds. And I was, I was like, this, it just didn't feel like a decent signing to me at the time. And that price tag felt like too much. Even Ben White as well, who I was excited about signing, you feel like that, that 50 million was too much. But no one talks about that price tag anymore because of what they've produced since they've been at Arsenal. And if Kai Havertz comes and performs well, no one's going to focus on his price tag, are they? If he comes and performs well, then Arsenal are going to get criticised for overpaying. Ultimately, it's going to be down to him how his how his time at Arsenal is is um, is kind of viewed. Um, you talked a little bit about this moment. If again, if you watch on YouTube, you can see celebrating his Champions League winning goal against Manchester City at Porto, and that's not his only. Big goal for Chelsea. He scored the winner in the World Club Cup final as well, didn't he? From the from the penalty spot. So he has stepped up in very very big moments for Chelsea. Although maybe he hasn't produced overall what Chelsea fans were hoping for when he arrived. He's he's certainly played his part in some really big moments and proved he can handle big situations. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact. You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Yeah, he's got a sort of reputation now as a big game player. Um, and I think what he needs to move on to is becoming a consistent player. But certainly um, at Chelsea, he's delivered that big game moment. I mean, that penalty you mentioned at the Club World Cup, I was there in Abu Dhabi and um, it was a last-minute penalty. Chelsea were kind of struggling, to be honest, against the Brazilian champions, the South American champions, Palmeiras. Um, but Kai Havertz managed to score a penalty in the last minute under immense pressure, really, because it did mean a lot to the club. Roman Abramovich was watching and, you know, in person and, and he didn't turn up to games very much at the end of his tenure. So um, it was the last trophy in the cabinet and he sealed that. So, again, huge part of Chelsea's history, that that moment as well. It's, you know, we all look at the Champions League, but for Chelsea, that was a monumental um, moment as well. So, uh, yeah, you, you're going to get that. And, and then he, you know, he takes a huge role for Germany playing as the main number nine. So that's a hell of a lot of pressure. They're going to have a home tournament as well. Um, in the European Championship coming up. So it's a time to move for him in that regard. So I think that overall, um, this is a player that can handle pressure and maybe even rub off on his teammates a little bit. He's a big personality. He's quite quiet, but, you know, I've heard, you know, if the media meeting, they'll, they'll realise he's quite a quiet guy. But he's actually quite cool, very intelligent, um, very, very savvy, um, very interesting guy off the field as well. So I think he will bring a lot. He's a big character. He's a bit... He's a bit Jorginho-like in some ways. Jorginho's a bigger talker, but Kai does have that sort of gravitas as well that Jorginho has where he sort of brings people along with him and, and maybe that'll grow, you know, as he gets older as well. Yeah, of course, going to be linking up with Jorginho. I saw the picture of the two of them the other day, uh, all suited and booted, ready for something. And, um, yeah, linking up at Arsenal with him. How do Chelsea fans view 
this move. Well, you know, it's another player moving to Arsenal. We've seen a lot of it happen in the past. Not always well for Arsenal, but uh, I think Jorginho has been a very good addition and proved a lot of people wrong. But how, how are the Chelsea fans viewing this one? Are they happy to see him go just because it brings in some valuable money at the moment? Are they disappointed he's going to Arsenal? What's the, what's the view? I think if they was going anywhere but Premier League top six, I think they'd be really happy with the move. But I think they're they're a bit nervous that he's going to go to Arsenal and do really well, and, and Arteta's going to find a way of coaching him that really coaxes the talent out of him. So there is there is that dynamic going on here. Um, I think that everyone at Chelsea would accept that he's a really great player. Um, you know, it might not have worked for him. Maybe he needs a change of scenery, so it's fair to let him go. And he's got two years left, and and no desire to sign his new contract. So it was kind of like that kind of situation where um, he kind of felt that his sort of time had run its course at Chelsea. They've changed owners, the direction's changed. So maybe Arsenal's a better fit for him. So it makes sense to sell him, but it's just for, for Chelsea fans, I think it's a shame that it has to be to Arsenal. But the one that actually this, this transfer is not as upsetting for Chelsea fans as the essentially the Mason Mount one to Man United because he's homegrown. Um, because he, you know, clearly he, he loves the club and has that identity with the club. I think that the Mount one maybe takes the biscuit in the sort of heartbreak stakes if that goes through. Mm-hmm. You've mentioned his sort of versatility and the fact he's been asked to play a number of positions at Chelsea. Arsenal at the moment, there's lots of debate about where where he is coming in to play. Um, he can play, he can play as a nine, he can play as a false nine, he can play out wide. Uh, so he could potentially be cover for Saka or he could play as a nine, which means that Jesus could play out on the right and be cover for Saka if Saka needs a rest, which I think all Arsenal fans will agree he will do next season because he hasn't had the opportunity to rest at all for the last couple of years. We've seen some comments here on YouTube. I've, I've brought it up if you're watching. Thomas Tuchel talking about it. it says, I see a bit of Dennis Bergkamp, Van Persie, Berbatov kind of player. He can play in the half position because he has good runs, also feels free from the nine and creates overload to one side. I've seen Havertz talk about his favourite position and he always seems to suggest he, he prefers playing off someone rather being than being the sort of central figure at, Arsenal, uh, at, at Chelsea. There's a feeling at Arsenal that he might be being brought in to play the Granite Jacker role as basically the left-sided number eight in the system that Arteta operates, the 4-3-3. So last season, obviously, you had Thomas Party at the base of it. You had Martin Odegaard as the right eight and Xhaka as the left eight. And Xhaka was being asked to play much higher higher up the pitch than we've ever seen before. And he did it very, very well. But of course, he's going up, heading off to Leverkusen at some point this season. Do you look at that position and feel like Havertz could be a good fit there for Arsenal? Um, yeah, I think so. I think there's a limitation. We saw him play that system pretty much only for one manager at Chelsea, and that was Frank Lampard when he joined. And um, it wasn't it wasn't a success at all. Um, I think physically he struggled with it initially, but that was just adapting to the Premier League, I think. And um, yeah, I think if you don't control games, then he could look a bit weak in that position. But if you're dominant, if you're defending on the front foot, if your press is working, there's absolutely no reason why he can't be a number eight. And I think he's intelligent enough as well to sort of drift into the number 10 position, drift into the number nine position as well and and allow Arteta to make in-game changes, which I think is what I think Arsenal will see in this transfer, that you can play him at a number eight and then move him around during the game where you need him to be, um, especially when you're at home against lesser clubs. So um, I couldn't see him really playing there against Man City, for example, for Arsenal, but I could see him doing playing against most teams in the Premier League in that position, if you get what I mean. So... I think that's maybe how 
that could work. I think that pressing as well, if it works, then you don't, then you defend on the front foot rather than the back foot. And I think that that's where there's a problem. I mean, if you have a midfield of Erdegaard, Jorginho and Havertz and you're on the back foot a lot, I think you're going to be in trouble as Arsenal. I think you're going to give a hell of a lot away. Um, so I think that that wouldn't work. But in general, if you're dominating the ball and, and able to press well, then I think it could be electric. And um, yeah, I mean, it could produce some unbelievable moments. A great technician, great footballer. He's provided me a lot of joy over the years, even this season, um, just from little moments you see on the pitch. And I think that that's a part of his game that the Gunners are going to love. Where where have you sort of looked at him during his time at Chelsea and thought that's been his best role, his best position? Where has he been most effective? I can't answer that question because he's never nailed down a place. Um, I think that weirdly he's done best at number nine in some senses under Tuchel. That spell when they won the Champions League, he was number nine, but it wasn't a free-flowing goal-scoring type of number nine. It was a hard-working one. If you had two wingers like Martinelli and Saka scoring, 20 goals a season, maybe you could get away with him scoring 10-15 like Firmino did, um, you know, when he was with Mane and Salah. And I always thought he'd be a good Liverpool striker, you know, just sort of supplying two other two other wide forwards. So that that works okay for Chelsea. I think he could do a lot. And I think he doesn't want to be nailed down to position as well. I think he's happy to drift around as long as he's got some principles, knows what he's doing, um, and, and is, you know, is, is well guided by a manager. And I think that the chaos at Chelsea, the four managers this season, um, you know, generally being poor in attack, even under Thomas Tuchel. I think that all that is, is, is sort of contrived to make him look like a worse player than he actually is. Yeah, I think there's a lot of reasons why he could he could do well at Arsenal. I think, A, you know, it's a Cecil club, which is Chelsea's been anything but recently since he's been there, basically. But Arsenal under Arteta, you know or he will soon know exactly what he has to do because it's just coached every single day. The system's known, the players know it inside out, or they get to know it inside out. He'll get freedom in that final third to move around. You know, I think that Arsenal have been so successful in that. And, um, you know, I think what they've been lacking is a bit of an aerial threat or an aerial option. Um, I'm not saying that they're just going to sort of lump it up to Kai Havertz all the time, but they've needed to have that option at times. And I think he'll come in and provide that. And like you said, I think technically he's very, very good from what I've seen. And he's faster than a lot of people realise as well. He gets up and down the pitch well. So I think there's a lot of reasons why it could work. But I can certainly see why a lot of Arsenal fans are sort of sceptical about it as well. So um, I've got a few questions from Arsenal fans here just before we go, um, which you'll probably be able to answer better than mine. There's one here that says, friends of mine who are Chelsea fans say they don't see Havertz as a player in the Xhaka role. So given he will then be competing with Trossard and others off the bench for game time, how does Nizar think he would react to that? I think he'd want to be first choice uh, wherever he plays. I think that's one of his priorities. So um, it's not necessarily the position that's priority, but it's, a, you know, being a first choice. So, um, yeah, it could be a problem. There's going to be a lot of competition for places, but I'm sure he knows that, you know, he's going into a Champions League team, a team that's already successful. So he's going to have to prove he's as good, if not better, than the others. So I think that that's what he's coming into here, isn't it? And um, yeah, there's been some great players at Arsenal last season that he has to take the role of. And I don't see him as like for like with Xhaka. He can do bits of the job that Xhaka does, but he's not he's not an exact replacement. We can't say that. And I think that that's absolutely fair to say, even if he ends up slotting in that role, maybe Arteta has to rejig some other things just to make sure there's enough cover down that left side where Xhaka often operated. Yeah, I think no, I think we might see that. You know, I think uh, we're all sort of falling into the 
danger almost in thinking Arteta has now settled on this 4-3-3. Every season, he's kind of evolved the system a little bit since he's been at Arsenal. And bringing in Havertz might be because he's kind of looking at evolving the system again. It's not that he sees him as a just direct replacement for Xhaka. He just wants to change things a little bit more. Um, there's one here from Jack who says, Kai Havertz was one of the most exciting prospects in world football when he came out of Leverkusen, but it's safe to say he hasn't hit the heights at Chelsea apart from a couple of big goals. Will a change of system bring out the best in what he does? Um, or does he need to change his, change his approach to English football? Yeah, good question about Jack. I think it comes back to the you know the system being in a club that's maybe a bit less chaotic, um, and maybe even getting away from his past that's been like all about this Champions League goal and, and trying to build some consistency. So I think that's on him and Arteta to carve out an identity where he he's sort of consistent. He you know he's always compared to other players. We we just posted a picture of him being compared to Berbatov, Bergkamp, and Van Persie. I've also seen him compared to Özil quite a lot. He's got that language style, great creator as well, potentially he's number 10, so he can do that. But I think he needs to get his own style where people are like, this is him, you know. De Bruyne can play in a host of positions, but he's ended up becoming this powerful box-to-box midfielder who drifts off to the right and puts in the best crosses you'll ever see. So I think Havertz is going to find a space like that, hopefully, in the midfield. And, and that's what he needs to do to get, to help, you know help Arsenal compete with Man City for titles. And that's what that's what Arsenal are gunning for now. Good one. And finally here, last one. says about Havertz, do we know what kind of personality he has? For every transfer, I think about the mentality of the player and if they will flourish under Arteta or have a lack of discipline, i.e. Guendouzi or Orba. Is that something that Eddie and Arteta think about with transfers? Many thanks and keep up the good work. Well, it is absolutely 100% what Eddie and Arteta think about focusing on sort of personality and the character of a player is absolutely essential. They wouldn't be bringing in a player if they if they thought it might cause some problems. So that is absolutely what they think about. But Naz, what in terms of Havertz's personality, what what have you sort of come to learn from him during your time sort of working around him at Chelsea? Do you think he's got a personality which will end up being an issue at Arsenal or do you think he'll sort of fit into the way Arteta wants him to, to settle in? No, I think he's very professional. I think he's very self-critical. I wonder sometimes if he's too self-critical because I think sometimes he's quite glib and negative about his achievements. So uh, he's always looking on to the next thing rather than looking back. So I think that that's a huge part of his personality. And and yeah, I think he finds a lot of uh, a lot of like football insufferable. You know, some of the stuff around the game. But he's absolutely he's absolutely in love with the game itself and really popular in the dressing room. Loves to train. He uh, he's, he's a great he's a great professional. I mean. You mentioned just then, Charles, his speed. Like that doesn't come naturally. He is a lot quicker than people give him credit for. He's not a soccer player. He goes one v one. But if you give him space to run in behind, he'll do that all day long. And he's also incredibly fit. So he's a great athlete, and that and that doesn't come that doesn't come easily. And yeah, he's got that as well as all his technical gifts. So I think overall, it's, it's it points towards a really great personality. I think he's a good personality. He is almost very unassuming. If you ever met him or or saw him interviewed, you might think, oh, he's not very charismatic or he's not trying here in the interview. But I think actually behind closed doors, he's quite jovial, funny. He has a dark sense of humour. I mean, he was one of the first Chelsea players to admit there was problems behind the scenes because the squad was overbloated last season. And I don't think he was having a go about it. He was just sort of saying... I didn't even know Jorginho was leaving. Like, you know, it's, it's crazy. Like, it's such a surprise. Um, some of us are unhappy. Some of us are happy. I'm happy. I support Graham Potter, but others maybe less so because they're not playing. And he was very honest and, and direct like that. So 
I, I hold that in really high regard and um, I, I respect that honesty and I think that he's quite a tough guy and uh, deep down and, and, you know, he's a very popular guy as well at Chelsea and I think that he'll go with, you know, quite quite warm feelings. There'll be a nice press release waiting for him on Chelsea's website when it is announced. Nice. Nice. Naz, look, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for joining me and filling everyone in on Kai Havertz. Really appreciate your time. And if you don't follow Naz already, please do head over. I'll drop his socials into the comments below on YouTube. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast. And this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Give him a follow. Fantastic journalist. Great guy as well. And uh, thank you very much for joining me, Naz. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure.